Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey there. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Firehouse Forum Podcast. This is David Timberline, Community Engagement Manager here at the Firehouse. And I usually don't say much at the top of the show because my guests always have more interesting things to say than I do. But I have a little bit of a rant to go on here at the beginning, as well as a few housekeeping things. So uh, you've been forewarned. I have some great guests on the show, like I have for every show so far. But I feel particularly honored this week because Carol Pearsall will be on the show. So this is a Firehouse Theater podcast, as you know, and as anyone familiar with the Richmond art scene at all knows, Carol was one of the founders of the Firehouse back in 1993, and she was artistic director here until five years ago, when there was a pretty ugly dispute that pretty much blew up the organization for a while. It was covered in all the media outlets, and you can Google it and get the details online if you are so inclined. I feel a certain affinity with Carol. I had a professional falling out myself last year that kind of sucked for me, but it was much less public and much less nasty than Carol's. Um, And it was after I'd only been working at the place I was working at for about six months compared to almost 30 years, I'm sorry, almost 20 years for Carol. So while Carol's situation was a tragedy, mine was more like an absurdist comedy. But still, it left me feeling pissed off and resentful for a pretty long time. So uh, when I sent Carol an email asking her to be on the Firehouse Forum podcast, I would have totally understood if she had said, yeah, thanks, uh, but no thanks. The company she founded after leaving Firehouse, Fifth Wall Theater Company, is doing great work and produced one of my favorite shows of all time, The Human Terrain, a couple years ago. She also has three projects going on right now, so she's busy as hell. But Carol was incredibly gracious, and uh, I sent her an email. She said, sure, I'd love to talk. So we had a lovely chat, and I think it's a testament to her resilience and her strength, and also, I guess, to simple human decency that there that she was able to come in and do the interview. <clears throat> and I really appreciate it. So I, part of what it makes me think about is that there's this reputation that theater and maybe the arts in general is full of people who are mercurial and cutthroat or catty or any number of other bad things. And, you know, yeah, there are plenty of imperfect folks in the arts. But I am regularly surprised by how supportive and generous and understanding and just how human the people I work with here in the arts world are. And sometimes it's in stark contrast to people whose primary focus is either greater profits or political gain. So that's my little rant. Um, it's a positive rant. I'm sorry to go off a little, but it was positive. So, you know, hopefully it wasn't too unbearable. And, you know, you can post catty comments about what I just said on Facebook as a response if you'd like. The, the irony would be, would be pretty funny. So anyway... On to some quick housekeeping items. Wings the Musical is, of course, still playing here at Firehouse for two more weekends. Come out and see the show before it flies away. Tonight, Thursday, March 1st, there will be a post-show talkback featuring Dr. Woody Beach, what a great name, um, who is an expert in aphasia. He has treated literally hundreds of patients with aphasia. Emily in Wings struggles with aphasia. And if you remember Jason Campbell, the Richmond actor who suffered a stroke on stage at Swift Creek Mill a few years back, he has also been working to deal with aphasia for the past several years. So that talk back uh, should be pretty fascinating. Then next Thursday, March 8th, Jeffrey London, the composer of Wings, will be here for the talk back. Uh, London is a reporter for NPR. You may have heard his stories about Broadway on the show's All Things Considered or Weekend Edition. And he is also a composer for a couple different shows in addition to Wings that have run either in Chicago or off-Broadway. So 
If you've already seen Wings or plan to see it some night that is not on Thursday, you can come to either or both of the talkbacks. We'd love to have you back in the theater to ask questions or to find out more uh, about aspects of the show, either from a composing standpoint or from a mental health standpoint. So, also, uh, this Saturday and Sunday, March 3rd and 4th, Firehouse will be hosting Dreamers Theater and their production of Inside Cloud Nine. Uh, Dreamers is a troupe of performers who are on the autism spectrum. You may have seen their work with Spark's live art program in the past. Uh, this is a show that was commissioned by Firehouse and Dreamers Theater. It played here last summer, and we're excited to bring it back this weekend. So Inside Cloud Nine this weekend. And finally, I promise this is the last thing, Firehouse is working with YWCA Richmond and Safe Harbor on an event called the Me Too Monologues. It'll be happening here, on, here at the Firehouse on Sunday, March 18th at 6 p.m. This is part of or a continuation of the hashtag MeToo movement that sprung up late last year, and we are very excited to be working with these organizations as part of changing the culture around sexual harassment and coercion and abuse. So please plan to come on out for Sunday, March 18th's MeToo Monologues. You can, of course, go to firehousetheater.org or firehouseforum.org to see more information about these events and all of the things going on here at Firehouse. But for now, let's get on to the show. Uh, well, hi. We're here with uh, Carol Pearsall. Hi, Carol. Hi, Dave. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. I'm, it is my privilege and my honor to be interviewing oh. Carol after so many years knowing her and enjoying her work. I'm going to give a little intro so everybody knows who Carol is, but, you know, I just have to do this. That's that's what they pay me for. Carol was the founding artistic director at the Firehouse Theater Project from October 1993 until December 2012. Firehouse played host to the first RTCC Awards back in 2008, for right. which I am personally very thankful when we were trying to find a home. And from 2008 to 2012, shows Carol produced or directed won 20 RTCC Awards. So she was named one of the top innovators at the forefront of Richmond Arts and Culture by Style Weekly. She is now the founding artistic director of Fifth Wall Theatre Company, which she founded in February of 2013. And Fifth Wall has won a bunch of awards as well with shows like Carrie the Musical, The Human Terrain, one of my favorites, and last season's The Toxic Avenger, uh, which won three RTCC awards, including for Best Ensemble. So <clears throat> there's many things I would love to talk to you about. Current events-wise, uh, you're producing two shows right now, which seems like a lot. Right. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> um, three. Three. Okay. Yes. Well, you, I know about I Am My Own Wife, which right. you're producing at, uh, that's going to be opening March 8th at Richmond Triangle Players, mm -hmm. and then Pump Boys and Dinettes, which is opening at the basement on March 9th, the day after I Am My Own Wife. So what is the third show? The third show is Monty Python Spam a Lot at Maggie Walker High School. Oh I'm their gosh. drama <laughs> sponsor, and I'm producing that March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. So how did you find time to come in here? You should go 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 to work. This is my break. Oh, okay. Phew. Well, I'm going to start with my questions at the end instead of, you know, starting when you were a child or anything like that. And I read I was doing my research and you indicated once that you would you were going to retire when you were 65. Right. I won't reveal anything, but I think you're over 65 at this point. I'm 66. Okay. So you don't seem to be slowing down at all. So what's going on here? <laughs> there are just more things to do. Yeah. Yeah, and I keep saying the only reason I'd want to retire is if I um, because I'd like to travel. Okay. And there are I can't quite get away now, but I'm trying to fix that so that I have more support and more people that can take over so that I can get a little break here and there. Okay. And if I can arrange things, there's no reason to retire because hmm. I love it. Okay. So you're going to do three shows at once and then instead <laughs> of spreading it out over six months, you're going to then do, do that all at once and then take right. three months off or something. Right. <clears throat> okay. Well, I don't know, travel based on your husband Maury's recent experience oh. <laughs> could be a kind of a risky endeavor as well. So you're not going to go sailing with him, are you? Well, not to Iceland. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
All right. Well, Maury had a little accident. You can Google that one and um, find out about I'm glad that Maury is okay and back in Richmond and safe and sound. Me too. <laughs> so Maury uh, is directing I Am My Own Wife, mm-hmm. and that was first done in Firehouse back in 2006. So why did you think it was time to bring it back? Actually, it was Phil Crosby's idea on the 25th anniversary of um, Richmond Triangle Players, and it's such a relevant play, actually, even now, even maybe more so right now, that he wanted to include it in their 25th anniversary season, and he invited me to participate with Fifth Wall, because it's a revival of the it's basically a revival. Scotty's doing it again, and we have some of the same team, and Maury's directing it again. Right. So is it, I mean, I know Scotty is busy all over the all over the place. Was he, did you have to nail him down somehow, or was he, did he just jump in whenever you said go? Oh, we nailed him down. Okay. He, yeah, and he was very anxious to do it again. Yeah. It's yeah. A, I mean, he plays, I know he plays at least three or four different characters. I think they're 40. 40. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know. I remember the three or four main ones. Right, the yeah. three or four main ones, and then throughout the play, he slips into these other personalities. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm sure that's going to be amazing. Now, I Am My Own Wife is kind of in line, you know, Fifth Wall, in my view, has done a lot of really cool, challenging, kind of offbeat, different shows. Um, I was surprised when I saw that you were doing Pump Boys. Um, it seems a little more uh, traditional. So it is. How did that end up popping up on your schedule? That's part of our um, wanting to expand our horizons. And we're doing this as a partnership with Hampton Arts in um, Hampton, Virginia. Plays originating here in Richmond, and then it's moving to the American Theater in Hampton. Okay. So we want wanted to do something together. Richard Parrison, who used to live in Richmond and who directed with me, directed for me at the firehouse, um, we came up with a project that we thought would be compatible to both places. Okay. And so it, did he come to you with that or did you, were you just chatting over drinks someday and that popped we, up? Or? We were talking about what we could do together and that mm-hmm. just came up as one, something that would be doable and um, it'd be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, you're, you're getting these pretty incredible talent. Desiree Roots is going to be in that show. How how did you fit? I I just, scheduling these things seems like such a challenge, and yet you've gotten Scotty, you've gotten Desiree. How how does that, how do you manage that? Well, (laughs) Desiree and I go back to firehouse days, and we always love working together, so she was anxious to be part of this. Okay. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite shows this this current season, I guess, still is, was Murder Ballad, which you did at Effusion Night Nightclub. I really enjoyed the, you know, environmental feel of it. And I was wondering, is there any other shows that you're looking to stage in that way? Are you looking to do that kind of thing again? We'd like to. Uh, um, we're looking at some plays that might fit into the club again. Okay. And we're always, since we don't have a home, we need to be creative. And so we're always looking for different venues mm-hmm. and, and trying to figure out what we can do that'll that'll match the place that we're doing it. So it's tricky because we can't pick a play and then find a space or right. find it find a space and then pick a play. It's kind of both. That's Six of one sense. is half a dozen of the other. So yeah. So that leads me to my next question, which is you don't have a home, permanent home right now. Mm-hmm. Is that something you'd like to have? Are you fine with being a vagabond right now? Or how is that process going? Well, it's not fine because it's hard to find a space. Yeah. They're, they're, um, the spaces in Richmond are really booked. So spaces that we've, especially if you want to do something for three or four weeks. Right. If you want to do one night, there are a lot of places available or one weekend. But to find a place that you can, and it's not just three or four weeks because you need to load in, build a set. So right. it really is six weeks that you need to take over a space and that's hard to find. So we are looking and we're looking with some other groups in Richmond, um, Puppets on Broad, Puppets off Broad Street needs a space and we've talked to quill theater and a couple of theaters and different groups that would want to go in so to make it more doable so you could raise the money but there are a lot of a lot of groups that need a venue yeah you have to have like a if everybody could get together and get like an arts complex right right everybody that would be pretty cool that isn't too expensive to rent right well yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i did want to at least Talk a little bit about, you know, I'm, I'm currently working at Firehouse, mm-hmm. and you used to work at Firehouse right. back in the day, and five years ago was the kind of unpleasantness, and I don't have, you know, you don't have to rehash any of that, but I do want to know, I mean, you seem like you've moved on, and you're, you know, successfully producing things and directing things. Do you reflect back on that time at all, or you just kind of put it all behind you, or where are you in the process of recovery? Well, I... 
Um, I'm okay, but I do look back on it because, especially since I don't have a home or a space and I have to, I don't have an office, I don't have a support staff. So I do think about that a lot. And, and I miss the building itself because I started there when there were fire trucks there. So just the process of, of the first seats in there, the first grid, I, I, I hired David McLean to build a grid and just step by step, we made it into a theater. So I do miss, I used to, Go to work and think I'm the luckiest person in the world. Yeah. So I miss that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I mean, I'm okay. Well, so when you so you went from firehouse and then started your own company, was there any period in there where you just thought after what happened that you were like, you know, I'm done with this. That's enough. No, yeah. no. Thank goodness Billy Christopher Maupin came came along right with me, and we produced Breast and Show, which we were we're planning on doing at the firehouse and then we said well let's do it anyway and bruce miller was kind enough to let us use willow lawn so we did that in i think february of 2013 so i never stopped right. is there anything that when you look back at that time as, as you start as you went into creating a new company is there anything that you kind of went in more conscious of or thinking more clearly about like to try to avoid any problems in the future? or Who is going to be on the board? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the board management seems like a big issue with the Right, problem. so that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it seems like it's working out pretty well. Yeah. So, well, at the beginning, I was talking about the end. So <laughs> near the, nearing the end of the interview, I'm going to go back to the beginning. So um, in 1993, um, you started Firehouse with Bill Gordon, Anna Stanishell Johnson, Harry Kolatz, and Janet Wilson. I'm wondering if you can reflect back on that time. How did you end up in Richmond, and why did you guys decide to create a theater company? I came to Richmond because my husband got a corporate transfer. Okay. So he was with, with West Vaco and was transferred to Richmond. So I came here. I had one two-year-old, and I started taking Randy Strauderman's acting class. And then when Janet moved to town, I started taking her acting class. And Maury Erickson was in it, and Matthew Costello, and Bill Gordon, Harry, and Anna. And we decided we wanted to perform, <laughs> not just take a class. Right. And so the first thing we did was in Carytown at Coffee and Company, which is now mm. um, another coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> another yeah. coffee shop. And then we said we'd like to have a theater. And we said we weren't going to do it without a space because production company had just closed. They were a fabulous company, did wonderful work, but they were always having trouble finding space. So we found the firehouse and decided to have a go at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You were bold back in those days. (laughs) (laughs) So now Anna has gone on and now she she went to Idaho and then she's Mm -hmm. come back and started another theater company. So is there like a founder's circle? Do you guys get together and talk about, you know, what it's like to start and run theater companies? Anna and I get together periodically. Yeah, Yeah, we get together all the time. And Harry is on our board now. So I see Harry and Anna because they're in town. I I keep up with Janet and... A little bit with Bill on Facebook. Yeah. Um, we Social we all they were all here for the almost twentieth anniversary. Right. So that's the last time we all got together, and they were here for the rally when I after I got fired, they all came to Richmond and um, commiserated. Right. <laughs> but they but um, we keep in touch. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, is there anything that you think of that has changed? I'd be I'd be curious with your perspective since you've been here 25 years. What do you think has changed in the arts world, and what you think is essentially the same? Well, we've certainly got more performers and more wonderful, talented people that's yeah. that have either left and come back to town or stay in town. So that's one thing. There seem to be a lot more talent here, and the changes. Well, the um. There are just a lot of good companies. When I moved to Richmond, there was the big four. Do you remember that? I do remember that, yeah. It was Swift Creek, Creek, Theater Four, Barksdale, and Theater Virginia. Right. Right. And everybody else was called Fringe. Right. (laughs) Well, now the theaters all have their own niche, so it. There don't, it's, there's not the labeling there was then. Well, it's curious. It's, it's really fun for me because, you know, I remember back in the early Firehouse days, people like Jeff Clevenger and Sarah Heifetz and some of my favorite shows that you did. I mean, I think both of them were in Four Dogs and a Bone, which is mm-hmm. the first show that I saw at Firehouse. And they're still around and they're still doing great work, just yeah. like you. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Yeah. That's, I, I think that's great about Richmond is that there is the opportunity for people to stay and keep doing really great work. Mm-hmm, so, that's true. Thanks to you, largely. Oh. <laughs> 
Well, <clears throat> I am looking forward to seeing both I Am My Own Wife and Pump Boys and Dinettes. And I guess spam a lot too. If I can, how, how long is the is that going to be playing? It's it? Three yeah. nights, just three nights. Yeah, yeah. Do, there's so much going on. It's yeah. tough to figure that one out. But uh, you guys keep doing great work, and I look forward to seeing more of it. Thanks, Dave. All right, thanks for coming in. You're welcome. Right. Okay, we're here with Chris Hester. Hi, Chris. Hi, Dave. I started to say Chris Hester. You I did. Like, well, I, 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 yeah, we could take that a million different ways. I, know, right? I like Chris versus the other pronunciation. Yes. Well, Christopher, did your mom call you Christopher? Is that part of it? Only when I was mad. Oh, really? Or bad. Mm-hmm. Well, don't be bad or I'm going to be calling you Christopher. Then it was Christopher Brooke. That's my middle name. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just going to try to call you Chris, but I might slide into a parental well, You can do whatever you want to do. Call okay. me Hester. <laughs> well, I have to do a little intro so people know who you are, if they don't already. Um, I'm not going to tell and recount your entire resume because you've appeared in too many things for me to list. That would be the whole interview. So uh, a couple highlights I'd like to pick out are... Duke in the Great American Trailer Park musical here at Firehouse, which was the first thing that I remember seeing you in. And you did not like my performance. Well, we can talk about that. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite. The, the MC in Cabaret at uh, Richmond Triangle Players. And of course, Peter Allen in The Boy from Oz, also at RTP, for which you won the 2016 RTCC Award for Best Actor in a Musical. Uh, you are opening this weekend in John and Jen at Hat Theater, co-starring with the incomparable George Rogers Farmer... I also know that you're going to be appearing in something else later in the year. Can you say what it I is? am. I'm yeah. in uh, The Normal Heart. Okay. So I'm doing a straight play. Oh, my gosh. Okay. It's crazy, right? Yeah. And a serious, intense drama. Okay. We'll talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about that. So <laughs> there's a lot of theater-related so things to talk about. So much. Um, but as you know, I wanted to start out talking in a little bit of a different direction, in a like a more personal thing, which is that there are, I think there's this perception that actors generally, they act at night and then they wait tables or they bartend or they do something, you know, temp work to kind of make ends meet. But in Richmond, there's a lot of people who are very accomplished professionally, who are also actors and directors. Amy Berlin is a lawyer. Robert Throckmorton is a marketing executive. You are a human resources director at Capital One. Um, so I'm wondering, how do you balance your very demanding offstage professional life with all the complications and commitments of being in shows, which you are in fairly often? Yeah, it, it's a great question. And I'll first say, you know, I mean, there are many people that I know that we know that, I mean, I think it's really respectable when people are bartending or doing other jobs to Absolutely. really pursue, you know, pursue theater full-time or even in, in part-time. Um, right. It's just, I mean, it's different paths, and I think that's what I've had to reconcile. Funny story, I I actually, I mean, my goal was to become, I wanted to be like an actor. I mean, that was what I wanted to do. Okay. And uh, Sense and Sensibility kicked in, and I got a good scholarship to Duke, and that's where I went, um, and kind of deviated. I actually didn't perform, except for a couple of college shows, for truly for about nine or 10 years, wow. which, and I tell people, like, I kind of had a pie and there were a couple of pieces missing. And it wasn't until, you know, I'd come, been back in Richmond for about four years and a friend asked me to do a show that I got back into it. And I always say it kind of felt like the pie came back mm. in. So the pie that had been eaten became whole again, <laughs> my cheesy metaphor. Okay. But you know, you know, I mean, um, here's the deal. I mean, I, I didn't know I was going to be a human resources director. I mean, I ended up doing IT consulting right out of college, right. traveling. There was really no time for any art theater. I was kind of focused on career and, and you get consumed by material things and money and all of that sort of, I mean, it, it it happens when you're 22, 25, heck, even throughout life, right? Yeah. And when I moved to Richmond with Capital One, that's how I ended up in Richmond. When I, that first person reached out, it was Sean Stacy. It was for Sorted Lives, which was a play way back, I mean, 12 years ago. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was 12 years ago, almost 13. I was, tr I had trepidation because I'm thinking, how am I going to rehearse at night? And I've got this job and, you know, it, it's crazy. What I realized and what I've reconciled over the duration of this last, let's just say decade or so, mm -hmm is I have to put a big plug in for Capital One. Like, first of all, that that company has been so incredibly supportive of me doing theater. So it's actually yeah. something that they champion. I mean, my I can honestly say since I've been doing theater, coworkers, colleagues, I mean, they come out to see shows. So that's important. I think you first of all either have to have a company or organization that's going to respect, right? Yeah. That, that it's something you're passionate about and not just a hobby, right? right? I mean, I take this stuff seriously and I work my butt off when I want when I want to do something well. But having a company that definitely respects that makes a big difference. 
here's the deal. I just people ask us. People at work say, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're going to go to rehearsal for four hours. <laughs> All your weekends will be consumed." And I, I say, "Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, you've got a daughter or a son. This person, you're the fictitious person here. Okay, aren't you going to soccer practice? Don't you have PTA meetings?" I said, "It's interesting." I said, "I'm not going to compare doing theater to having children, or having, or loving to fish, or be loving painting, or traveling, right?" It, that's kind of what it's like for me. Yeah. And so when I say that, they're like, oh. And I'm like, so think of all the time you spend maybe – I don't have children, right, for better or for worse. It just is what <laughs> it is. You want a couple? I've got plenty. We if can talk wants- about that later. <laughs> okay. uh, money. Money. No, uh, okay. But I mean, it's that's what it is for me. It, it, I mean, it, it fills some of that, and that's how I try and relate back. I will say you have to pick and choose. That's been the hardest thing. There are times I know, since Capital One treats me so well, and any company for that matter, you have to respect that. Mm -hmm. If I constantly tread on every opportunity to be away or need to leave early for things like this or say, I'm in a show, I can't go to this meeting, I can't travel here, that would start to – I mean, candidly, that's me being very selfish. So there's a balance – between what I want to do and what I can physically do, but also knowing how to respect my work commitments. Well, then I, w- I wanted to ask you about that. Is there has there been times that you know somebody proposed a project or you were in conversation with somebody and you were like, you know, I just came off something and I've missed a lot of work and right after Cabaret, um, mm-hmm. I got engaged with a very big effort. I didn't actually do a show between Cabaret and The Boy from Oz, mm-hmm. so that was two years. Wow. I mean, that's yeah. so. I mean, that was a long time. And yes, I was doing prep work for some of the Peter Allen stuff at that time. But I knew with work, there was a huge, huge project, a new HR system we were putting in, and I was the tech IT lead for that. Hmm. And I knew it was going to be a two- to three-year journey, and so I cautiously knew I'm going to stay away. You know, I did some some singing events or some fundraising things and some things like that and was kind of rehearsing in the background, but I knew I needed to take that time off for work. And it's what I needed to do, and yeah. then things happen to work out nicely. And fortunately, people don't forget about you if you <laughs> stay engaged yeah. um, and put your name out there. Right. But, it is. It's a balancing. Picking the right times, respecting, definitely respecting your employer, in this case, Capital One, for me. But also, here's the other thing. I'm going to be the best person at work if I am fulfilled. Right. And theater and being on a stage is actually therapy. I think most actors, I think most people you talk to either say they're terrified of it or they love it. <laughs> I don't think yeah. many people are in the middle. And for me, going to rehearsal is therapeutic. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just let everything go. And so it is an interesting way to kind of let the stresses of life or the stresses of work come out. It's like going to the gym. So, and also then at that flip side is if I'm doing that and I'm fulfilled, because I know what it was like now not doing it for eight or nine years. And I was missing a giant chunk of my soul. Right. So if I don't have that, I'm probably not going to be as productive or as happy. Yeah. So it's tough. I mean, but everyone, you make choices. You have to prioritize and right. think of your family and work and, and the commitments. So instead of therapy, they let you go to rehearsals. I and, do a boat. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> okay. no, you know, you can't beat a good shrink. Well, you can, but you get arrested. You can. You can. <laughs> uh, well, you, I, I mentioned Duke. You responded, so we should... <laughs> well, we, we, know, both, we both are alumni. That, well, that's true. But I was thinking about Duke the character. I know, and I'm trying to avoid that topic. No, it's actually my favorite. Can I tell a Dave Timberline story? Oh, sure. Hey, okay. go ahead. We were trading, for those of you who are following along, we were trading like what could be some topics. And Dave will lead into the question here in a second. But I'll never forget, my first like big, big show, I'd say, it was here at the Firehouse, and mm-hmm. it was Reefer Madness. I'd done a number of things with RTP, but this was kind of my first big musical. And Dave did not make that. You yeah. never were able to see that, which was one of the most fun experiences I've had in my theater career. But I followed that up with this wonderful uh, Duke and the Trailer (laughs) Park musical, which was this over-the-top, crazy character. And, you know, I'm one of these, I actually love reviewers. I say that. I mean, it's a healthy balance. I'm like, it is what it is, but I actually value the opinions of what people have to say. Well, that's nice. I mean that that because I want to grow and learn, Hmm. and I'm not sucking up to anyone, by the way, if you're listening. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, I legitimately care because I view feedback from anyone is positive, okay. right? So I do take some of that to heart. And it, whether it's good or bad, it, it, there is a level of validation. But I'll never forget because you had this wonderful blog and everyone waited. I did. And we were all talking like on the on our heels like what's oh, going to come out. And it, <laughs> the blog was all about my performance. Oh, the majority. No. <laughs> and it was – you were so funny. And I, I loved it because I actually read it and I was horrified. And I thought, do I respond? Oh, no. It hurt. It's weird. It was one of the – it was a good learning moment because it hurt my feelings. But then I was like – 
why does this hurt my feelings? And I'm like, and this isn't personal because I know you and you're awesome. And not everything I do, everything's everyone's going to like. Mm-hmm. So that was Duke in the Trailer Park Musical. So lead on. Well, but it's <laughs> one of my favorite things because I love to rag you about that. And yeah. I want more horrible <laughs> things. You actually were very kind. Well, it, I think you did it really well. I just, I think what it set up was this, it was a very extreme character. Off the chain. Very off the chain. Sniffing magic markers. Exactly. To get high. And, you know. I think there's there's something that's interesting about that, but I like you said I like authenticity. Yes, you so do. that was to me was a little bit so it was not authentic. Right, I so, can tell you that looking back. Well, and moving on from that, you've done you know like in your last role in Murder Ballad, which I really enjoyed. You were really just kind of a pretty much a normal guy with issues and you know relationship issues and stuff like that. So I was I'm curious. What is, as an actor, is there more to grab into with the extreme characters, people, or is, is there more to grab into with the regular characters? For me, I, you know, like anyone, things that you think you can do well, and then notice I said think you can do well, <laughs> are what you tend to gravitate towards, right? And so whether it was Reefer Madness or playing a crazy reindeer or being a wild and crazy guy that sniffs magic markers, I mean... <laughs> Those sort of extreme characters are kind of fun and enjoyable. And I, I can do that. I enjoy comedy. I enjoy that. And I, my default position has typically been, and I think you also have to think about what people look at the community for. Hmm. They're typically right. going to go, if someone can be extreme and play these crazy, outrageous characters, there Which are Which everybody can't do. You can, you are, yeah. I mean, it's a default. And yeah. so I easily got sucked into the habit of doing things that were more comfortable. I mean, and that's, I think that's part of learning, right? And it hit me. I mean, it was a couple of years ago. The MC thing, definitely extreme, but with a bit of heart. And going through that experience and working with Penny Ann Moss, who was in Cabaret on Broadway and right. all of this, it was it was someone who really just challenged, even in that role, to like, what's the authenticity and bringing it and what's hmm. the heart? And I've learned since then, I need to go and seek out roles, first of all, that people would never think or consider me for, hmm. right? First of all. Second thing is, I need to do things that are going to challenge me. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to, I mean, this summer doing Toxic Avenger was one of the most fun times I've had. Yeah. I've never played 16 different people on a show. Right. That taps into a lot of the things that I probably think I'm really good at and, and can do. Doing something like The Normal Heart coming up, right? Or Murder Ballad. Or even John and Jen in ways, which mm-hmm. is, you know, opening this weekend. Um, someone said once, you're a ball of energy. And you need to practice stillness. Hmm. And that's not my default position or pattern, right. even in real life. Yeah. So for me to even be on a stage and just be still, it, it is a study in itself. And so I, I really do believe, whether I'm seeking it out or whether I'm just putting you know feelers out into the universe, I want to still do some of the fun, outrageous, kind of crazy things. Mm-hmm. The only way I'm going to grow is to do some of these other things that are just not in my comfort zone. And right. it's okay. I, this is the hard part. It's okay to not be great. I mean, or okay to maybe it's not the perfect thing, but right. some experience is going to go there. Bill, I did Bill W. and Dr. Bob last year. Very serious. Bill W. was psychotic, but I mean, you know, and kind of a control freak, but, but an interesting guy. That was also a lesson with Scott Witchman in like stillness yeah, and looking in the eyes and just really kind of planting myself. And so do I enjoy one or the other? I'm enjoying now the chance to really challenge myself and play roles and tackle characters that people would not expect me to. Okay. That's my goal. Like what I want to keep doing, throw in there something that's really easy and comfortable, but otherwise what's the point? Well, I think it's interesting for you to talk about stillness because I'm often impressed when I see a show and I see an actor authentically respond on stage, which is not necessarily a line or a, even a gesture. It's, it, it's often just stillness and being present. And I think in Murder Ballad, there were times when Katrina was a more reactive character and Duran was a more reactive character and you were the more quiet one. You're right. And it's um, that experience. I mean, that experience and, and other, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uncomfortable in the moment because I'm like, I should be doing something. I should be. <laughs> yeah. And Lucian, Lucian Restivo, who was a director, was really good about like, stop moving. Like, yeah. just stand there. Don't anticipate. Don't react. Listen and interact. And I know all of this stuff. I know the actor sorts of things, right? right. But I want to be in a constant state of movement and, sure. and, and just taking a chance to stand there. This show coming up is all about that. I mean, there are so many places with Georgia, who is also a dear friend, and we have a great relationship. It's hard to be play with someone like that and be still. Right. Because she and I are both kind of jokester, fun, kind of outgoing right. people. And so 
I don't know, stillness is what I'm learning. Stillness and just going crazy. And it's it's okay to not be the extravagant, crazy character. Right. In fact, I sometimes I think what I want to do now is blend into the furniture. Yeah. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. You meant, you've been talking about John and Jen. I think we should probably dig into that because that's what you're yeah. working on so yes. intensely. I could give my synopsis, but I'd love to hear your synopsis of what the show's about. Yeah. So um, <laughs> John and Jen, uh, music by Andrew Lippa, who, I mean... It, the, some, some of the most music, beautiful music I've ever heard. John and Jen was off-Broadway in 1995, and then they revived it in 2005, 20-year anniversary. No, sorry, 2015 would mm-hmm. be 20 years. So right. let me do my math, <laughs> clearly. That was an art history, history major, right. so yeah, we'll just move on. What, um, what's the IT thing with you with? That is, I, I'm <laughs> idiosyncratic. I'm a good learner. Uh, okay. I'm a good adaptive learner. That's what that would be called. No, gotcha. so they revived it in 2015, 20-year anniversary. Kate Baldwin played Jen on Broadway, who was his God knows I could watch her sing anything. So here's the story. It is. It starts in the 50s, 1950s. Bear set. Jen basically is uh, six years old and her son, or sorry, brother. let me not confuse you. Yeah. Jen's brother, John, is born. And so the first act of the show is really about a brother and a sister. John is growing up. So I start at age five okay. um, and go to 19, roughly, in the first act. And Jen is six years older. And so she graduates high school and she goes to college. And so it's really about a brother and a sister. You never see other family members. You never see really anything else happening. But it's about the bond of a brother and sister over, you know, two decades, okay. if you will. Uh, this is not a secret, so I'll go ahead and share it. At the end of Act One, the brother dies. Okay. So John, her brother, dies. Mm-hmm. Jen keeps aging. And so Act Two starts, and she now has a son who she has named John. Right. And so I play Jen's son in Act Two from age five to 18, 19, okay. right? So it's two different Johns for me. Uh-huh. It's a brother and then a son. Jen keeps aging. And so she goes, and Georgia goes really from six years old to 45, 50-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the show ends in 1990, roughly. That's kind of it in a nutshell. I will say there are elements in the first act about the family. John, the brother, goes off to Vietnam. So I'll just imagine mm-hmm. he dies. He dies in the war. Right. Jen goes to New York and becomes a hippie and moves to Canada with her boyfriend. She opposes the war. Different so you start to, there, yeah. You start to think about it. So mm-hmm. Jen in the second act, it's really about her not forgetting her brother and trying to trying to make up for all the things she thinks that she failed him on with mm. her son, which okay. leads to her being a little crazy, <laughs> overbearing, yeah. and trying to course correct and maybe not really seeing her son, but seeing her brother and her son right. and reconciling that. Well, And so you were talking about your relationship with Georgia. You've known each other for years, been in shows together. You were entitled a show a long time ago. You've done cabarets. So when you have this comfortable kind of jokey relationship, you're going into a show where your intense mother, you know, mother, son, you know, sibling, is it easier when you're comfortable or is it harder to kind of, we're not being jokey now, we have to be serious? The thing I will say about Georgia is, and I I think we were talking about the extreme sort of funny comic characters. I think Mm -hmm. people typically would see Georgia as a comedic actress and she is great at that. What I enjoy about her is I know her on a personal level, and we've had many like heart-to-heart, serious sorts of strange conversations. We also <laughs> like to have fun. Our husbands hang out. I'm not really married. Let me correct that. My husband, Ed, who's really not my official husband, for anyone listening, but her real husband, Tim, hang out. So, I mean, we have kind of this fun, kind of familial relationship anyway. Right. This show is really clever. Like, Andrew Lippa wrote some really great music, and the the book is so strong. Like, there are songs where we're fighting. I've never had a fight song, like, where you are... <laughs> in each other's face. It was awkward at first because there's fun moments and there's playful moments. Mm. But here's what it came back to. And Doug Schneider, who's directing it, has been really clear. Like, look, you the reason you guys will do well in this show is because you have chemistry and trust each other. And you know each other's tics. You know yes. how each other works. You yeah. know how you process things on a stage. Look into each other's eyes and just connect. And it's really interesting to have someone that you know really, really well mm-hmm. to look into their eyes and to your point earlier about reacting in the moment or having real emotions, just letting it all go. And you have to, I have to place myself in, this is Georgia. Mm-hmm. Now, Georgia is Jen, but Jen is Georgia. Jen, Georgia is Jen. <laughs> so I can't really distance that. Right. So yeah, it can be really intense. I mean, I've, there's a couple of times where I think I've almost cried. There's one song in particular. There's some moments where you really, I'm pissed off at her. And I'm pissed off at Georgia and Jen in the moment. <laughs> and so it's at the end of this rehearsal sometimes, we just have to like decompress. Yeah. Um, but I will say for something like this and for those who come to see it, 
it is it is two people on stage together almost the whole show. It's not we do trade off a couple of songs, but yeah. mostly we are on stage the whole time together, just Ooh. the two of us, without ever leaving the stage. Yeah. I think in the majority of the first act and maybe once in the second act. What's really nice though is to look across and know you someone has your back. Right. And that is the best thing about working with her. I mean I know at the end of the day, if I mess up, if I make a mistake, or if I'm not feeling comfortable, I have her to count on. And I think it works reciprocally mm-hmm. in that respect. And that's where the value of having a relationship comes in. Right. When we were talking about doing this, Vicky at Hat Theater, it's her 25th season, by the way, uh, which is really awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of a big deal. I mean, it's a really big, small musical. <laughs> we talked about it, and I said, look, if we're going to do this, there's only one person I would do the show with. Hmm. And if she won't do it, I'm not going to do the show. And it was Georgia. And talked to Georgia and she was like, boy, and she had knew the show and and loved it. And so to answer your question, it's the best thing and one of the best experiences I've ever had. And I think she and I have just, we've had to go through a lot together. It's vocally, it's the hardest thing I've ever sung in my life. Dang. And um, yeah, it's amazing. Well, shoot. It's, there's only eight performances. There are. Well, you know, <laughs> it, 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 we have said, though, if the, if, the, um, if the interest is there, we certainly have the opportunity to add shows. So okay. that is always right. there. I don't want to – I'm not saying that to tell people not to come because right. it will kill me later. Yeah. No, but I mean I think if – hopefully the word will get out and people will relate to this. I mean I don't have a brother or sister. I'm an only child. Yeah. That's the really funny part about hmm. this. So what's really cool is having a sister. Yeah. And both of my parents were divorced, right, when I was, when I was younger. And I mean I have a great – relationships with both of them but i can relate to having you know living with mom right the majority of the time and i'm the only son in the second act and so there's just some really interesting things we both can play off of georgia has many you know family members and siblings so we're bringing funky weird stuff to it from our own lives Hmm. it's really cool well it sounds very interesting I guess I'm going to have to make it out there. You'll have to. Yeah, I should like do the typical plug stuff. But I mean, Doug yeah. Schneider, who, this is his first directing show in Richmond. Kind of okay. a big deal. Doug is, you know, he's in Cabaret. Yeah. Um, is he doing all in, right? Doug? But, no, he's ter- no. Um, Doug has been, here's what Doug is. Doug is a vocal technician and vocal coach. And so when we went into it too, this much singing, I was like, there is no person I would want in some way involved to help us vocally than Doug. And she and I both, he was in Should Have Been You with Georgia. Right. So we all had kind of relationships. And so... Him just with the vocal work, and there's so much of this is phrasing. And how do you, I mean, not just how you sing, but how do you phrase things so that it's how people would talk? And that's really why we wanted him there, too. He's been great. I mean, it's Hat is a deceptively easy place. It's so intimate that Very you've got to be on point, and the staging has to be clear, purposeful, and specific. And Doug's really, I think, taken a good eye to that. I know he's really wanting to, he wants us to be successful because yeah. you want to create a good reputation for yourself. Um, Josh Wortham, I will say, who is musical our musical director. director. Yeah. Josh leads the Richmond Men's Chorus. I think maybe also the, the, there's a chorus he's the musical director for. <laughs> he does many other gigs. I think this is his first big show. He does a number of things with us in the community theaters, which is great. He's doing Oklahoma, I think, with Enrico. Hmm, okay. um, I think that's the right group. He has been one of the most amusing musical directors I've ever worked with. <laughs> I, this music is hard. Like hearing Kim, who is a close friend, play Wings, yeah. that music is hard. Oh, yeah. This music here is like three, four, six, four, 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 one, two, cut oh, time, all times. on like one page. <laughs> And Josh has brought a really amazing dist- – he's been brilliant. I mean, just – he can play the piano in a baffling way and mm. really relate things. So he and Doug have really been a good team. The four okay. of us have been – had a lot of fun. Good. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up. Is it time? It's, it is. You know, time, time flies. flies when you're having fun. I was having a terrible time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, then this has been the longest day of your life. Absolutely. Well, it sounds great. I can't wait to see it. I'll make my way out to the far you west better. end. I will come to your house, <laughs> and I will hold Holly hostage. Oh, no, please. No, I won't do that. It'll be nice. I'll take Georgia okay. to there, and we won't go on stage <laughs> until you show up. Hmm. All right. Well, I will be there. Everybody else should go see it. John and Jen at Hat Theater opening March 2nd. Thanks, yeah. Chris. You got it. Thanks, yeah. everybody. See you later. Uh, Landon is becoming something of a fixture here at Firehouse. He starred in Desire Under the Elms last fall with Alan Sater, who's also been on the podcast. And he is currently appearing in Wings the Musical, which is running through next weekend, uh, March 10th. Get tickets now. He will also be half of the cast of An Oak Tree, our next show, 
that starts in previews on April 4th, and we'll be talking about that a little bit. Of course, his career extends far beyond and before Firehouse. He has done shows with Quill and Cadence and several with Virginia Rep. I have, going back to Guys and Dolls in 2007, but have you did you do shows before that for them? Yes, actually. I mean, you know, well, Guys and Dolls might have been my first appearance mm-hmm. with the Rep. I did some tour. I did a tour. Okay. With the Children's Theater, and you know my beginnings were with Spark, yeah. and you know went back when Spark did their summer musical at the Empire oh, when wow. it was first called the Empire, yeah. originally called the Empire. So 13 years old, I was on stage in Camelot with Joe Pabst as King Arthur. Oh, that's awesome! On the Empire stage, okay. Chase Niffin as young Arthur in a prologue story, and oh man, yeah. Chase acting, yeah, that's going way back. The next, yeah, the next year was Chase as the Artful Dodger in Oliver. Wow. So, You've got roots. Deep roots here in <laughs> Richmond. Yes, sir. Well, and as I've told you before, I have a particular fondness uh, because you and Jason Marks performed a song at the first RTCC Awards, which I just found the video of just like oh, wow. earlier this week. So I'll have to Keep play it in your pocket. You. Yeah. You have a bachelor's degree from VCU and are currently in the MFA program where you are studying theater pedagogy. That's right. So I want to talk about Wings. I want to talk about Oak Tree. But I also wanted to ask about the pedagogy program, particularly since you're studying it now. I'm wondering if your perspective on how you learned to be an actor has changed at all. So I'm wondering if you think now, you know, now that you're kind of into the nuts and bolts of how pedagogy works, do you look back at people who taught you how to act or people you worked with earlier and go, huh, I don't, I, now I understand what they were doing, or gosh, I wish somebody had taken a different approach back then, or you know, is your perspective on that changed at all? It's funny you ask that today, of Uh-oh. all days, because okay. I actually just left a pedagogy class in which I was had to tell a kind of personal introduction about myself, and I quoted inside of my short story journey, as I'm relaying information about myself, I tried to take the listeners on a journey <laughs> and quoted Eulalie Noble, oh, uh, who was my freshman uh, acting teacher in my studio in a conservatory school in New York that I was I attended for a little while, who um, in the midst of a Meisner exercise screamed at me. She oh, was my. a little sweet lady with a voice <laughs> like God and, a, and a, a voice like thunder. And she screamed, what's your point of view? What's your point of view? And, and I didn't know my point of view. I was 18. I didn't know who I was. And, and I screamed back. I said, I don't know. <laughs> and um, so what one of the things I've kind of come to realize is that this kind of uh, process of negativa, you know, I'm going to teach you by letting you know what it is you're doing wrong, is not really my cup of tea. Okay. And I've learned that talent can't really be taught. Okay. And in a way, acting can't really be taught. There are essentials to it and there's a form to it. Hmm. But teaching someone to just truly be and listen and respond, you can introduce them to that idea, but it really takes years to get. So one of the things I've just kind of come to realize is that I can show up for my students. I can be consistent. Uh I can be constructive rather than destructive. Okay. I can encourage rather than shame and just be a source of hopefully security. And it also ties into actually as we've kind of delved now into a little bit of an oak tree Mark yeah. Lerman and I, the director, there's some parallels to transformation in the oak, in an oak tree that I really see as a parallel to pedagogy huh. and acting training. And okay. it, this performance might actually, this, 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 this story might actually influence a lot of my thesis. We'll just have to see, <laughs> you <laughs> okay. know, cause I'm, I'm, my, my mind is open to all kinds of possibilities as to what to write a 60 page paper on. So, <laughs> hmm. so you haven't started on that yet or is you're no. still, okay. No, <laughs> still in the brainstorming stage. Yeah. Well, so you started, you know, you opened the door to an oak tree. So I want to talk about that. I could give my synopsis, but I don't know the show as well as you do. I don't know what I can say and what I can't, you know, what I right. should say. So what bound to secrecy a lot of people about this one. Yeah, so how do, what is what is Oak Tree all about? So the, the Oak Tree is based off of the title comes from a 1980s installation art piece mm-hmm. in which there's a metal shelf with a glass of water. But next to the glass of water on a metal shelf is a bit of a script that says this is not a glass of water <laughs> this is an oak tree and it goes on from there and so this story is like performance art it's i've been reading it i've i've, I've never it's going to be something like i've never done before and there's two actors in the story but only one of the actors knows the script okay we bring in a different actor every night you had said earlier that i'm half the cast i'd really say that i'm actually one eighth of the cast oh, because man. you know we have eight we have uh, a preview okay. and then seven other actors that are coming in i see and so um and so we bring in a new actor every night and no matter 
the age, race, or gender of this rogue actor, <laughs> they always play father. Uh, I play the role of hypnotist. They always play father. Mm -hmm. And that's really all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And my, my main goal inside of inviting an actor in to take part in this story with me and the audience is to take care of them yeah. and make sure that they're safe, which is so much like I just spoke about with the pedagogy and yeah. the teaching is to just basically create a safe space in which they can just be, not mm. act, but just be okay. and experience the story. And hopefully we'll find that. And that, I think, is what's going to make it a different piece, yeah. a different story every night. Well, and for I'm curious from an acting standpoint because like I talked to Chris Hester just yesterday and he was he's working on a show with George Rogers Farmer and oh. they're very familiar with each other. They've worked for, with each other for years and a lot of the strength in their performance I think is going to come from that relationship. You're going to have a different person up there every night and I feel like, you know, in rehearsal for just about any show, part of what happens is in the rehearsal process is you get familiar with the actors, you know, you know each other's beats and, you know, rhythms and stuff like that. How are you approaching this that, you know, it's going to be a different person every night from a, you know, from an acting standpoint? How are you approaching it? Well, that's the most exciting part of it, really, is that, like, hopefully this isn't about acting, huh, right? Okay. That this is about being and just, I mean, the role of hypnotist does have performance in it. Okay. Right. And so it's a break from there are moments where I have to break from, you know, being a hypnotist to just being Landon, hmm. from being an actor on stage to being yet just another human in front of another human who's just taking care of them and making sure that they're all right. Right. As we move on. Okay. Making sure they're secure. But the exciting part of it for just being me in this community <laughs> is that I get to act. I mean, some of the people we have on the docket, are, it's just super exciting. You know, yeah. I get to act with some folks that I wouldn't typically get to perform with. And I had some, you know, small role in, in um, the offers we made, okay. uh, basically the, the asking we did. <laughs> I don't know what the offer really is, but, but the requests that we made. Yeah, you want to come um, jump out of a plane? <laughs> yeah. The requests that we made, I had some, some small role in, in um, choosing who, who we reached out to. But I've asked that uh, I not know. I'll know who's in. I'll know who my other is going to be. I'll know who okay. my partners are going to be, but I won't know when they're coming. Oh, man. So I asked that, you know, and, and I don't think we can, we're not marketing it that way either. Like, right. you know, you're not going to know, like, this actor's coming on this night. Right. You just know that these are the ones that will be in it along at with Landon. Point. And so I want to be just as in the dark or <laughs> rather just as surprised right. uh, as, as any audience member that might come in. So oh, That sounds really fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And so the mark for who we asked is, you know, the goal hopefully is to just say, you know, this isn't a, this isn't a performance, yeah. right? I mean, it has a construct of performance, right? Because right? we're in a theater and there's people watching us. <laughs> yeah. But this should just be and hmm. to just simply, you know, and that's what's really going to be, I think, interesting and different than knowing, right? It's yeah. the unknown right. that's going to be, which again is the parallel to okay. working with an acting student, yeah. hmm. you know? Another kind of unique acting challenge that I feel like people may not always be aware of that you're going through right now is you're in Wings. Wings is up and running and, and going. and Wings up. Wings yes. up. We are, um, we are in flight. <laughs> in flight. There um, are so many metaphors. Yeah, I know. Really. <laughs> to, go and, and, you know, well, and pairing. The, the theater and flying. Well, and, and also barbecue. Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and a 90s sitcom. Oh, well, that's true. And Paul McCartney. And, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, it really just opened not that long ago. And yet you're already in rehearsals for an oak tree. Mm. So you've got these two things going on in your head at once. Plus, I know you're working on directing a show later on in you know, at BCU. So how do you, is there times when you're on stage with, you know, rehearsing an oak tree where wings, you know, lines pop into your head or vice versa you know you're on stage performing wings and suddenly you're thinking you're in an oak tree space or how do you how do you keep those separate well it's really looking at like what is the furthest from land and there are things that are you know that happen inside of wings the, the part i play of billy that are close to land and th those are easy those yeah. those those aren't really my homework but then there's things that are far away that's where the work is and you know with wings it's or excuse me with you know an oak tree it's kind of the <laughs> same way there there are facets of it that you know i've got in my pocket and they've always been there but then there's stuff that's far away so it's kind of differentiating what is like me and what isn't and the good news is is the connection between actually desire i mentioned this the other day connection i think the through line in this season of possibility in my mind and be different in joel basson's mind or <laughs> bill miller's <laughs> mind but in my mind is these the through line for these three three uh, productions that i've been lucky enough to be a part of is this idea of distortion 
and connection and mm. distortion and connection. And it's interesting. I can't speak too much about the oak, an oak tree script, but there are a couple of things that are much like searching for words or lost or, right. you know, disconnected or distorted. Hmm. And so... Not unlike Emily. Right, exactly. Right. Or, or Billy or a, right. any of the, the, the characters that are suffering from uh, consequences of a stroke or symptoms of a stroke. Right. But the, the role I play, though not small, because I guess there are no small roles, but it's <laughs> it's smaller piece in Wings. Uh, you know, Bianca is our is our captain. She is our right. pilot, you know. I'm going back a, to those metaphors again. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Um, you know, I'm just a passenger on this flight, okay. right? Uh, so it's not, it, it's not, they haven't intertwined and, and hasn't caused too much of a problem yet. But I was, say, I was saying, I think I said this to someone, I don't know how, I've never been a part of a rep, like a real rep company in which, you know, right. you know you're doing Titus one night and then a Midsummer's the next night. I don't, I don't know how, I would imagine that you'd have to make some really strong physical choices hmm. so that you can differentiate the two characters or, or vocal choices or both. Right. So but, you, um, you really feel like you're in a different space when you're doing exactly. a different show. But I was on stage, you know, we opened Wings two Saturdays ago. I can't even think of the date. March. <laughs> We're not March yet. It's still February. Oh my gosh. Yeah. February yeah. 16th. We opened it. We opened it February 16th, a Saturday night, and and February 17th, I was on our stage, on our set, yeah. at a table with the director of an oak tree at, at 2.30 the next afternoon, <laughs> working through the script yeah. of an oak tree. So, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a high-class yeah. problem to have, right? Yeah. <laughs> in, in the theater world, anyway. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Lead character in Wings, Emily, um, mm -hmm. has a stroke. You also play a character who's, who's had a stroke as well. Mm -hmm. Did you do any specific prep for that, or do some specific research as part of preparing? for that yeah i watched saint vincent okay you know bill murray <laughs> bill murray bill murray um he, you know he's great in that as he struggles to you know find his faculties and and speech again after his stroke right. watched a few youtube videos looked at what aphasia is looked at traumatic brain injuries i wasn't sure if billy might have had just a car accident and had a right. you know a traumatic brain injury rather than than a stroke but um the way in which he searches and and struggles to find words and you know just kind of blanks uh, i went ahead and you know said no he's had he's had the same kind of deal but it's really just using the the text that's it's really pretty well written yeah. in there and um a lot of people have asked me you know was it was it hard to speak words that are out of order or you know and i'm like well no it's great because you could just get it all wrong and nobody knows so <laughs> but one thing that is kind of strange is some of the lyrics inside of the one song that i sing are difficult were difficult to yeah. get in rhythm and to wrap my mind around what he's actually trying to say but right. we got there yeah <laughs> So. Well, yeah, personally, I think it worked out pretty well. Good, good, thanks. <laughs> um, I'm biased, but you know. One, you said something the other day that I, I really liked, which is I was asking you about, you know, you've done, you know, Desire was a pretty intense straight play. Wings is a musical virtually sung through and talking about the difference between a musical and a straight play and what you prefer to be a part of. And you were talking about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah, you'd ask me, you know, do I approach them differently? And... and you know, my answer was, you know, no. You know, I really don't think there's any acting without some singing and dance right. in it, movement in it, right. right? You don't have some lyrics inside of these words. Mm -hmm. They aren't going to jump off the page and be theatrical. And then at the same time, this musical drama, if there aren't strong acting beats and movement inside of the singing, it's just going to sound like a song right. rather than a story. And then, you know, I'm not a dancer, <laughs> but, you know, I imagine if I, if I watch a ballet and there's a strong story inside of it mm -hmm. and there's singing and I can see the, the music pouring out of the body, then, then I'm going to be captivated yeah. and it's going to be theatrical rather than just someone kind of moving around on stage. Right. So I approach it all the same way. And that's basically like, what am I after? You know, what's my target? How am I going to go about getting it? And what stands in the way? Yeah. And what do I do? to maneuver around what's standing in the way. And, you know, whether, you know, oratory is wonderful. Song is basically your objective gets even more important and you've got to sing to get it. You know, like I've got to sing about this cheesecake um, to get this, to get this word out of my mouth. Right. And for people who haven't seen the show, you actually do sing about cheesecake. Yes. A recipe for cheesecake. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so, and then, you know, and then in dance, I imagine, you know, you, you want what you, you want what you need so bad that you've got to, Move. move your body in such a way to go get it. So yeah. if there's a strong story, I just try to tell that. Yeah. Whether I'm moving well 
<laughs> or, uh, you know, singing or, or acting. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it made me think afterwards that one of the things that I remember from your performance in Desire was there was a distinct physicality to me in the way that you played that role. And I, it just made me think, yeah, every there is, even if it's a straight play, there is movement. It may not be choreographed, but there is like a specific movement that gets involved. Yeah, the character of Eben, you know, was, was very far removed from who I am. I'm, I'm a, you know, an expansive person, an open person. And Eben was, you know, a uh, con contracted person. Um, almost, I, I almost thought of him as almost amputated, hmm. you know, this kind of obsession with his dead mother and, and his, you know, the vengeance he wanted to, to employ about right. her, about her demise and the demise of the farm. And he just kind of locked in rather than open wide so we we worked a lot like that, and I turned my body in and my shoulders down, and it oh, it did some things to <laughs> my back. Oh, really? But, yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, that was a great performance. Your Thanks. I really enjoy your performances in Wings as well. I'm looking forward to an oak tree. Thank you. We're going to have to wrap up, but thanks for coming in. Hey, it's my pleasure. We'll see you. We'll see you guys soon. All right, tickets. Get your tickets for Wings and get them for Oak Tree already. Come on, get on board. Thanks again. Thank you. All right, see you. That was our show, the seventh episode of Firehouse Forum. Thank you very much to Carol Pearsall and to Chris Hester and to Landon Nagel. So Carol's got three projects going on right now. I am my own wife at Triangle Players and Pump Boys and Dinettes at the basement theater lab space and also Spamalot at Maggie Walker. So there's a few things to check out. Chris Hester will be in John and Jen at Hat Theater, opening this weekend, March 2nd. So check that out. And of course, Landon Nagel is in Wings the Musical, which will be here at Firehouse for another couple weeks, and will be also starring in An Oak Tree that will be opening April 5th here at Firehouse. So lots of stuff going on. As always, thanks for tuning into the show. Thanks to everybody who came out. And uh, thanks to Ryan Doggart for his audio engineering. Thanks to Jason Marks for his theme music. And thanks to all of you. Take care. Bye. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.